I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Rule the World. The art and power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience, and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. I'm your host, Paul Furlong. Just a quick reminder that my book, Rule the World, Master the Power of Storytelling to Inspire, Influence and Succeed, is now available. You can get hold of your copy in all good bookshops, including Amazon and Kindle, Waterstones and WH Smith in the UK, Barnes and Noble in the US, and all good bookshops throughout the rest of the world. Anyway, without further ado, I'm delighted that today's guest is Tom Hines. He is a director of photography for shows like Call the Midwife and The Chelsea Detective for BBC, Riches for Amazon. And recently, I had the pleasure of working with Tom on a film I produced called Indignitas. And uh, over the next couple of episodes, hopefully we can tell you a little bit more about that. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Just uh, just finished up on uh, on prep at the moment on an episode of Call the Midwife. So we start filming in two days' time. So that's good. Well, I'm very grateful for you taking the time to uh, to talk to us during your busy schedule. You are one of the hardest workers that I know. I know that when we were prepping for for, for our film, you were busy on on another episode of Call Midwife, and you were doing our prep whilst you were doing their filming, and and uh, and then you, you were doing our film, and then you were straight on to another episode of TV, and you you've been doing their prep, and you you're straight into their film, and then you're doing our some of our post-production when you're going on to more filming uh it never stops for you and we're, we're recording this at nine o'clock at night um and you've done a full day of prep so you, you really are one of the hardest people i hardest working people that i know wow i think morgan might uh take that um <laughs> award yes, <laughs> morgan our line producer on, on our film uh, I don't think he ever sleeps so uh yeah he, he might pick you to the post on that one, but you, you do really work incredibly hard as as does everyone in every camera department i've ever ever come across well anyway tom i have given you a a short introduction there um i would like you to tell me a little bit more about yourself obviously i've had the pleasure of spending uh, a lot of time with you and getting to know you and uh, what i did really enjoy when we were doing our film together was uh, was story time with uncle tom that we got to have every evening around around the meal where we, we got to find out about all your exciting times, your, your run-ins with the Taliban, your uh, being in, in Africa during the initial outbreak of Ebola, all of your uh, getting on the wrong side of drug runners and all of that. And we don't have time for most of that today. Some of it might crop up, I'm sure. But um, 
why don't you tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about who you are, what, what a director of photography is for those who don't know. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Right. Uh, well, first up, uh, I like how you introduced me as Uncle Tom, a bit like Uncle Albert, right, from uh, Only Fools and Horses, because <laughs> uh, I didn't actually realise that I've got these stories until a few years back when, uh, you know, just on jobs telling, oh, and this happened, that happened, and then a few people started going, Blimey, a lot of things happen to you, and uh, I, I don't know whether they do or whether I just tell them. <laughs> I'm sure every, these things happen to everyone. I just happen to tell them to people. But um, yeah, me, I, I'm a director of photography, so that basically means I am a lighting cameraman. I, I, uh, I light and uh, shoot the narrative contents of drama and some sort of low-budget films. Uh, that's where I'm at at the moment. So that would mean on, on some jobs, I will just light and I'll have an operator who will operate for me. And on other jobs like this one, I will light and be the camera operator. That's in a nutshell, basically what I do. I've wanted to do it for a very long time. Um, I was sort of making short films from about the age of 10, really. And um, prior to that, I actually wanted to be a puppeteer. My sort of earliest memory I can remember is loving watching Fraggle Rock. And I know I, know I would have been about four or five because I was, I was in my house in Dagnum and we moved out of there when I was five. So I remember going, I want to make this puppet. I want to make a Fraggle Rock puppet. And I remember in my head I had this plan and it was going to be this amazing puppet I'm going to make. And, uh, and I remember thinking, this looks awful. <laughs> It's absolutely awful. But when it goes on my hand, it's going to look like a fraggle. And the disappointment when it didn't, <laughs> it did not look like a fraggle. So that was my sort of start of like, I want to be a puppeteer. And that sort of stuck with me for a while. Even when I was making like these short films from about the age of 10, I still thought I'm going to get involved with like special effects puppeteering. But what happened was no one wanted to film it. So I had to kind of figure out the camera. We borrowed this camera from, my dad borrowed the camera from his work friend because we didn't, I didn't have a camera. And um, so I had to figure out, so I had to shoot it. I had to be in it as well. So I was in it, I was shooting it. I guess I was not really understanding it then, but directing it. And then I was like, I really liked that. So I got a paper round and my dad helped me buy a camcorder. He paid half, I paid half on high purchase. So I got his camera, but I couldn't edit. So I had to edit in camera. So again, I, I kind of started thinking now I'm, I'm, I'm into directing now. So I'm really enjoying directing these short films that basically star me and my best mate. We entered a film competition with one of our films, which I wrote the whole story based around the fact that we, me and my best mate, who was my sort of partner in crime and all this, Simon Wolf, we every year, our fa both families went on holiday to Cornwall. So it's like, we're going to make a film that's going to be set in, Romford, which is where I grew up, um, and Cornwall. So we had this storyline set between the two. I was like, we're going to win this. Like, we've got such high production value because we made it all the way to Cornwall. Yeah, we didn't win. Yeah, it was, it was good. My mum was in it. My dad was in it. My uncle was in it. My dog was in it. <laughs> like, anyone you could get. So I went off to Bournemouth, Bournemouth Uni, thinking, I think I want to be a director. And, but all I knew was cameras because I had to learn the camera. I, you know, all my, all the books at my shelf were, you know, making films, the technical side of it, rather than the sort of, um, rather than the artistic side of like telling a story. It was all about getting, you know, how to create these images. I left Bournemouth. Uh, I thought I'd found basically. I, I took on too many projects. I was, I, I didn't like the writing side of things. It was 50 50 course, 50% practical, 50%. Uh, theory and I kind of screwed up my dissertation because I changed it like a few months before I had to be handed in I had this crisis of uh, I, I went out so basically I, I, I had a work placement over in Colombia what a place to go for a work <laughs> placement on a film course yeah I know but th what happened was I'd won two, two competitions outside of the uni 
to make these commercials. One was a commercial and one was just, you know, pitch a commercial and I got money for it. And whilst I was doing that, I wasn't sort of paying attention to my course because it took so much of my time up that everyone had got all these placements with Sky, BBC, you know, you name it. And I was like, I haven't got anything. And my housemate's Colombian, Andreas. He He's like, well, just use the money you want. Get a plane ticket. Stay with me. My sister works in advertising. So I ended up working on a telenovela in Bogota. <laughs> I didn't speak Spanish. Only I I told- you could do this, Tom. This fits well within the other stories that you're telling us about the Taliban and the drug runners and everything else. This fits within those stories. Well, I was, I was, I was with the lighting team of um, Padres Eos. I probably haven't pronounced that correctly, but that was the name of the show. And uh, it was like a daytime telenovela. And uh, I was with the gaffer and the, and the sparks. And they talked to me like I knew Spanish, and I didn't, and I never learned it. And all I knew was just laugh when these, when the spark laughs. When the gaffer says something, if the spark laughs, laugh. <laughs> that's, that's how I got through the six weeks. Um, but no, they were lovely. It was great. Um, uh, yeah, so when I came back from Bogota, I was just like, oh, my God, everyone is so passionate about politics, about life, about the injustices of life. And I was like, I, I, I ain't got, we ain't got, all we talk about is that, you know, if our mobile phone bills are too high or, or it just didn't, I just felt like, what? I, I've, I've none of this, this thought process. So I kind of went, right, I'm not, my dissertation is going to be about complacency in today's generation and, you know, how much does the, has the media compliance? And my course leader was like, no, 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 no. I was like, yeah, 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 definitely. And I had this great idea of bookending the the whole dissertation with a Pink Floyd song. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, this is this goes back to like that puppet, that hand puppet. I could see it coming together. Only just or just like that hand puppet at the end when I was half the page count, half the word count, my conclusion was written like 10 minutes before it had to be handed in. It started to rain, so the front page was all blotchy with the rain. Yeah, anyway, uh, that that didn't go well. Um, so when I finished that, I thought, right, before the results come out, cause I'm sure I've failed, I'm just going to take the first job. And I got this sort of running job for a company that was making, uh, a version of the big London, uh, it's called the big, uh, the big issue. They were making a t- sort of a format TV version of that. It's called the big London issue. And I turned up there like, well, I better get a job out of this, like, because when these results come out, I'm never getting a job in the industry. And uh, got that. And from there, they were like, yeah, you're, yeah you should go. You like, you're really into films. You, there's a job here. There's a job at Shepparton Studios looking for a camera assistant. Because I shot a lot of the stuff for them because they realized I could shoot. So I got this job at TX, got the interview. And I said, oh, the results haven't come out yet. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, well, this is just the first interview. And we're not, you're never going to be in a camera operator. You're just an assistant. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And they called me back in for a second interview, by which point my results had come out. I got a 2-1. Nice one. Uh, yeah. And uh, and um, so I turned up like right about to kind of hit him with the fact that I had a 2-1 that's going to swing. And he went, right, you got the job. I went, oh, right. And I went, yeah, do, do you want to know what I got um, on my course? And he's like, not really. <laughs> and I was like, all oh, right, okay, <laughs> there you go. And then I started as a camera assistant at Shepparton Studios, still thinking, you know, I probably want to direct. And I was writing these, we're trying to write these scripts. But the process of being a camera assistant, you start stepping up. Like they made me an operator very quick within this company. And then I started shooting second unit on things. And I was always making short films. Like every weekend, I was always doing something. And uh, I just suddenly realized, Hang on, I, I love this. Like I, lo- you know, I love this part of the storytelling. You know, f- through the camera, and it's it's just been, you know, and th- th- this is what I want to do. And so, yeah, it's where I've landed. It's where I really uh, I'm really happy. And touch wood, I'll continue to do this. Well, you are amazing at it. So <laughs> all of that work oh. has has clearly paid off. Um, because the work that you produce is, is phenomenal. Um, I love, love what you've done 
throughout the work that you've done on, on telly and, and the work that you've produced on, on our film is, is sensational. So, uh, oh, thanks very much. Now, you've, you've talked about the fact that you, you potentially want to be a director at one point. Obviously, you, you're a director of photography. Um, uh, as as the work that you do day to day, can you talk talk me through how you work with a director to tell the story that needs to be told on a film? What's that relationship like? I, I think it is different for every job. Uh, well, not I think it is. It's different for every 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 project. I should say really because sometimes it is a job. And hopefully, mostly it's a project, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so the combination now is great. The, the, the director I'm working with at the moment is really good. I feel really like uh, I'm really enjoying this. It's a really collaborative uh, relationship that we've got. We're really going through each scene, really discussing all the shots. Sometimes you turn up and there is no collaboration, there is no discussion. It's just like, yeah, it's very very cold, but yeah. Um, how do I describe it? I guess I'll describe what I think it should be, but it's not always that. So I think the relationship should be, you know, you, you start with the interview, if you have an interview, and, uh, you know, you're kind of figuring out, well, they're figuring out if they can want to work with you and vice versa. Um, and if you get the job, project if you get that uh then i find you kind of try and figure out like what what they like so i like sending reference images if i have any and i ask them to send reference images and then you're trying to work out whether they are you know do they have a lot of camera knowledge like some directors are you know they know lenses no cameras and some just don't know it at all and then there's some that are just in between so you figure that out so you figure out how much you need to so I help them with that or, you know, how much not to bamboozle them, you know, and just start talking and, you know, it goes over their head and then you, you don't want to do that. Um, and then, and then, yeah, you just like, so this prep I've had like a week and a bit. Yeah, a week and a bit. And the first couple of days we were just always chatting and it was like, we're not getting stuff done. We're not getting stuff done. And actually I was like, after I said, no, we are getting stuff done because I'm finding out what you like and you'll find out what I like. It's just making the days longer, you know, <laughs> but you know, and it, and it is good. So like by the end of like the week, I just felt we was in a really good place because we kind of knew each other. We'd got to know each other in that week. I kind of know she, she sent me lots of references now of things she wants this to look like. And, uh, I kind of know where she's coming from and, uh, I've sort of sent references of what, I like and have done, and yeah, we 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 still got a few more days yet. We start Wednesday, so we've got well, we've got one more day tomorrow. That's one part of the prep um, and the collaboration. Then on the floor, it's I guess, yeah, I guess the if if you haven't had that prep, say like what I'm having now, sometimes you can go into a job where you don't get any prep. Um, and you're gonna to have to work that out on the floor, and that can be that can be quite hard because, well, you, you can end up like offering things they absolutely hate, and they will turn around and tell you that, and it makes quite makes it quite a conflict. But um, I don't know. I'm 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 going off on a tangent here. Remind me of the question again. Sorry. <laughs> How do you work with the director to? kind of bring out the story off the page what's that what's that relationship like when you're when you're working to tell the story because obviously the director's got their vision haven't they and it's their job to tell to tell the story but without you they can't tell that story it's your job to tell the story as well but they're very kind of defined roles yeah um okay sorry i was going off on a tangent there um well I, i've listened to i mean I've listened to loads of interviews and, and like, you know, a lot, a lot of talk about serving the script, serving the script, you know, like, and as a DP, you should read the script and the script should call to you. And like, you know, but I, I do find that maybe it's the projects I'm on. I'm quite often like 
the directors had the script a lot longer than me. And I, I find, I don't know whether this is right or wrong, I don't know, but I find that the director has a really good understanding. When I've turned up on the project, so my so in terms of how how do I work with a director, I really listen to the director. I really listen to what they're after. Um, if I and so I try and basically make you know I'm, I'm I'm servicing them really, and I know that goes against everything that I've I've listened to on interviews when they talk about no no it's the script it's the script. I just find in the projects that I've done, I'm turning up. The director's done a hell of a lot of work. They know the script inside out. That to come in and kind of having read the script three, four times, how many times I've managed to get to read it for first day of being there, you know, you, you're like, yeah. So no, no, it wouldn't be told like that. I, I mean, I, I do sometimes, I mean, I will always, if I, if I really feel strongly about something, I will turn around and say, well, I think this, like today there was a scene where the director wanted to do something and I was immediately, my head was like, that's not how I pictured it. And I must have one of these faces that, you know, I looked like, she's when you don't like it? You don't like the idea? I was like, no, no, I just can't picture it. Give me a second. And what I try and do to answer your question here is I, 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 what I'm trying to do for the last kind of five, six years is not go to my pre-programmed, oh, this is how I would do it. Like try and, you know, so if, 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 in this example of this scene that we had today, the director wanted to do this POV shot that we follow in and then the POV takes over into an over shoulder. And in my head, I was like, that's not going to work. No, it's, it'd be much better with my first idea I had, which would be from over there. I didn't say that. And I was trying to stop myself from uh, not arguing, but sort of talking her around into my idea. So I said, no, no, let me think about it. And we drew it out. We sat down and lo and behold, her idea is is the idea that we're going for. We, we've not shot it yet, obviously, but um, I'll I'll let you know afterwards if it if it was the right idea. So that's 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 kind of how I work with a director. I, I really try and find their vision. What what have they got? And if I feel really strongly about something, if something comes up, I will tell them and talk to them if they're open to that communication. Sometimes sometimes they really are not. Sometimes it's their idea, and that's it. You know, and it, it can be quite tricky. Did that sort of answer it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And there's, and there's two things that you said there that, that jumped out at me that I'd, I'd like to explore a little further, if that's okay. So the, the, the first one w- was that uh, you, you mentioned reference material. I know when we were, when we were prepping for Indignitas, uh, Darcy, the director, provided a lot of reference material there for how she wanted the the look and the feel of the film to come across. And uh, a lot of that was kind of, well, all of that was discussed with you and sent to you and you provided some reference material back to Darcy and all of that kind of came together for you and Darcy on, on the floor when you were filming it. So um, when you're when you're looking at the reference material from the director, when you're providing reference material back, which I guess comes from either the reference material that the director sent to you or from when you're reading the, the script, how how does that help you to tell the story? Um, how does the story affect the reference material that, that you go and find? Um, it, does that kind of come out of the out of the script? Does that come from the director? How does all of this uh, kind of how do all these visuals come together in your mind um, to affect the story? And, and or, or is it the other way around that the story that you're kind of reading and feeling that's coming off the script that's coming off the page? Does that then affect the reference material that then affects the visuals that you create? I think the reference materials is a starting point um, because you know sometimes I've been sent reference materials and you're kind of thinking we we can't get that that's not like anything like the location we're going to film in so you're trying to then decipher what they mean by that. Is there something about this? You know, let's just say, for example, you're sent you're sent uh, a room that is like the, the images in this sort of dark wood, and you know, there's there's. I know. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a practical example of something I had. I was I was doing a, a sort of a corporate commercial out in the Middle East, and the director was like, "Look at these images," and there was striking black and white images 
of like shadows and light and like you know it was extreme contrast it's like that is what we're we're, we're going to achieve and it was like ah that is what we can't achieve in the desert you know not not where we are you know so it's trying to figure out how you, you what, what is it about that 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 captivates them if it's as simple and as sort of um if it's simply like it is, it's just about the contrast. Well, we can't get that. We just can't. But if there's something else in there, an essence in there that they're trying to achieve, then you kind of draw that out. And the, the, uh, the, again, going back to prep, the more prep you've got, the more you can work this out because trying to work it out on the day is just, you know, it's just time consuming and you do not want to be left like, everyone dissatisfied you know you haven't achieved what the director wanted you haven't achieved what you wanted and you're like ah you know but um yeah so that so and you know when you're sending all these reference images backwards and forwards you know there might be there might be things cropping up there could be a bit of production design that you're like you know they really like you really like and that can get built into it but generally speaking i think it's to help create a bit of a shorthand between you and the director um i think i think it should i think you should be careful not to sort of like completely rip off these reference images you know so you're not just copying oh i really love that you know and then then you end up copying someone else's work that's that's probably that's a a thing to be careful of i guess but there's so much out there so much you can do like i use a lot of shot deck of you you use that have you heard of that i think that's a yeah an amazing tool i mean you know it doesn't have a certainly doesn't have it has a limited number of films but it's growing week week month by month that's that's a really useful tool i find but i do worry you know because it's quite new isn't it It, it, it's quite a new tool i worry how much uh we're going to start kind of recycling films that are on there you know yeah 100 percent. you mentioned that usually the directors have the script a lot longer than you have, and so they tend to be the one that's had time to break the script down and really work it out. And so you tend to follow the director more than the script. But if you've had the script for much longer or you've you've had the time to really break down the script, what would it be that you'd be looking for in a script to really pull out imagery and storytelling from the script that would really get your visual brain going, that would allow you to start kind of composing the images in your mind uh, or the movement of the camera in your mind that what, what is it that you're looking for in the script that helps you with that uh i, I i'm going to talk about a short film my favorite project i've done today is my friend simon he's he's the guy i talked about earlier we made the short films together he wrote a script and won an imdb competition and he sent me the script. I read it, and it was like this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. I read. Loved it. It was so good. And so this was an example where, apart from Simon, obviously having written it, we kind of had it at the same time together. You know, we were reading it together. So this is an example, perhaps. You know, on a project where you've got more prep time. I don't know, but maybe this is why. When I hear these podcasts and interviews with DPs, and they talk about serving the script. This is an example where no, we we I would sort of debate with Simon who was directing this. No, no, it'd be more like that. So so yeah, I'm kind of changing what I said earlier. But in this case, he wrote this script. It's called Pussycat. It's a fantastic um, script, and it was one of those films that it just fell into place. So and I, I and the sort of cr- the, the discussions we had went on for months and months and months. The actual shoot was like three days, three days, three four days long. And uh, he got seven thousand pounds from IMDb to make this. No, you got six and a half thousand. I put in five hundred pounds, and I'll tell you that on another story why I did that because <laughs> I kind of screwed him over by accident. And uh, um, and yeah, so like we were just we were discussing everything. He had no money. Well, he had seven thousand pounds, but um, it wasn't a lot of money. And uh, you know, so we were renting locations so we would go to airbnb we were discussing what paper what the wallpaper would be now we didn't have the budget to wallpaper so we were choosing locations that 
fit that. So we were discussing, you know, the colors that would represent sexual frustration, you know, and, and we, it was just a brilliant conversation back and forth. I go, will it be this and it'll be that. And then he'd come back with this and then we'd just go through Airbnb and we'd find that that's it. That's the room. So we got that. And then he, he rang me to say, I'm at a music festival in Bath and this band called the Warsaw Village Band are playing. Now, the film, by the way, was written in English and then last minute he decided, I want it to be in Polish. He's not Polish, but it's like a dark fairy tale. He thought it had another layer. I was like, again, everything he was coming back with was like, this is brilliant. It's like, yes, this is brilliant. And he was at his music festival. He said, Tom, I think I found the song for the, for the film. And he played me. I was like, Sam, this is, this is it. This is the song. The problem is a friend of his and, and mine, but it's his, his, his friend, wanted to compose the music. And he's like, I don't know what to, what do I do? And I was like, well, I, I think this is the song. I really do. You should write to them and see what they say. They gave him the rights for 200 euros, <laughs> worldwide rights. The, the band, this band. Anyway, it's a brilliant song. It, 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 and it came away from that project feeling so fulfilled working with good people and there was only like four of us but we're all friends it was good people we had a, a brilliant time long days but all of us had, had input and all of us were listened to and you know every you know and we we, we all just sort of became in sync and it was because we had all this prep time beforehand to discuss it so on the day when we were discussing things we all knew we were all on the same page by this point if that makes sense yeah that makes perfect sense there's definitely a theme developing here isn't there that prep is the key a hundred percent to draw out the um kind of the essence of the of the film the story of the film even if it's just a scene or a short film having that preparation time to be able to to discover what what's supposed to be drawn out of the script or, or discover what the director really wants to be able to find these images, um, the, the reference images. It, it's all in the prep time, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, and as I said before, I have done projects where you don't have prep. I know that sounds bonkers and crazy, but, you, you know, you, you do. You, you have no prep. Your prep time is on your own time. And, of course, you, you want to go in as prepped as you can. But if you've rolled from one job to the next, they don't expect you to do prep. Or maybe they do. Maybe they hope you do some form of prep. But, you know, you don't have that time like I'm having now, for example, where I'm in the office with everyone. We can, you know, we can talk to other departments and cross-reference things. And, uh, you know. But even then, I'm suddenly finding we start shooting Wednesday. It's like, where did that time go? I wish we hadn't told so many stories to each other and then got on with it. It, it does. It can, it can fly by. Um, all, all of that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fine. Now the... Um at, at the end of the day on a film, obviously, the editor tells the, the whole story by stitching all of the imagery that you shoot together. But equally, at the same time, you can tell a, a, a story in a split second, can't you, with, a, say, a quick reveal, or a slight camera movement, or a particular way that you've positioned the camera. There's a, there's a lot of storytelling that goes into the art that you produce with being a director of photography. So what, what are the thought processes that go 
thought processes that go through your mind when you're uh, on a single shot, when you're positioning the camera? What, what are you thinking about when you're on set, you've done all your prep, and you're, you're getting ready just to, to, to set up a particular shot? You've got your lighting, you've got your team around you, you're going to set up that camera. What are you thinking about, about the story that you're telling with that single shot? Um, kind of, I suppose at that stage, forgetting the rest of the story that's being told, just just the story that you're telling with that single shot. What what are you thinking about? So we're having a discussion the last couple of days on on this prep of this. The director's done a lot of independent features, and we're aware as we're blocking camera blocking together that you know. I'm finding myself working with her that I'm going back to like, I'm just trying to think how to explain it. There is a, there is a thing in team in when you're working in TV that you kind of, you are creating coverage, right? You know, so you, you don't know if the edit, if they want to do, if they want to cut it in multiple different ways. So in terms of storytelling, you're, I find quite a lot working in TV that you are, you are covering yourself to tell that story in the edit, however they want to do it. So you, you basically you're getting every single character from every, virtually every possible angle, aren't you? That, that's what coverage is in, in TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're getting your wide, you're, you're getting your master, you get close-ups, you're getting the POVs. And, you know, I find that's, Sometimes you'll you'll then come across a director who's like, no, 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 this is going to hold in. One, this is going to be a developer that does that, and it's like, ah, this is quite exciting. I'm not saying getting coverage is wrong at all, you know, and that 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 is, you know, you need to be able to pace things up if necessary. If if you know if the scene changes order, you know, you need to slow it down. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not an editor, but I fully appreciate that. Um, you can have an idea on either in prep or on the floor of a camera move that develops and tells a story, but that somehow in the edit it just doesn't sort of work. So having the ability to cut around that might be is is important. Um, so what am I trying to say here? So yeah, I think on on a, having done a lot of shows where you don't have a lot of prep. It's very hard to, you know, tell a story in a single shot knowing is this going to work because you haven't been able to prep it. You don't know how that lands because you don't really know enough about the scene before the scene after. That it becomes quite dangerous. So you end up resorting to like, well, let's do it as a master and a close-up, a close-up, and let's do that as a developer. But, you know, you've got the options cut out and inevitably they'll cut out of it because, you know, they've got to pace it up. And no one's been committal in in pushing that idea. Well, on this block, we've actually got quite a few of those, which I'm really excited about. You know, these sort of developing shots, these these single takes, these these oneers, so to speak. You know, and uh, I mean, obviously, nothing like 1917, <laughs> but you know, a oneer. Um, so I'm really excited about this block I've got coming up because of that, because I actually feel like whereas before on a lot of shows I've been working on and it has been about well we've got good coverage here now we're actually no actually this is we've worked out quite a lot of these sequences and uh, I guess I guess I have to come back to you and tell you <laughs> how that works or didn't work but um, but yeah I've not really answered your question have I I suppose in that in that one are you you're going to be able to pick up on Various elements of the story, aren't you? It might be that you, you with the, within the camera movement, you might pick up on a couple of the props that might be pertinent later on, and then you might pick up on a couple of different character moves and bring in a couple of characters within the movement. So that's the kind of thing that you're talking about here, isn't it? That within that single camera movement, you can bring in a lot of different elements of the story within one move, rather than just cutting between a shot of one character, then a shot of another character, and a shot of another character, then a a cutaway to the prop and then back to the the first character all within the edit. Am I getting that right? Is is that the kind of thing that you're talking about? Yeah, I 
exactly. I, I think I, I totally. I think that if you can tell that story in as minimal cuts, then then that's the way to go about it. You know, you know, if you're telling a story because you go cut, 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 cut. I worry that it, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I worry that it's a bit lazy because I find when you're when you're up against it and you haven't prepped, you're like, right, well, we'll get the master here, we'll get the coverage there. If you can tell that whole sequence in one, I think it just looks elegant. Uh, and I think the audience feel it, but it's got to be, you can't, you can't just, just willy nilly do it. It's really well thought out. I watched, I watched, um, I was late to the game. I apologize. I watched licorice pizza over the weekend. Um, I was desperate to see it in the cinema. I didn't get around to seeing it. Just never got around to seeing it. It was like, Oh, well, no, it's, here it is. It's on Amazon prime. Got a new telly. going to watch that. I think he's a master at that sort of blocking. I think he really is. Was he, because, uh, so it's Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, isn't it? Yeah. And I know on the, on his previous film, uh, he was the cinematographer as well. Did, was he the cinematographer on this one as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, he credits, um, I think he credits the gaffer as well. So it's, they're, they're, they're both their names are up there. It was, um, yeah, I, I worked with the production manager that had done most of his films, actually, and I, I was just like, having loved Paul Thomas Anderson throughout his whole career. I just couldn't believe I was working with this guy, and I was just like, tell me about this, tell me about that. Tell me, you know, and uh, Robert Ellswick was his regular DOP. who's phenomenal. Um, and, uh, yeah, he lost him when they were doing The Master, and then I think they got him back for Inherent Vice. And then after that, he just started shooting himself. But this guy just said, no, the guy, the guy is a genius. The guy knows lenses inside out, cameras inside out. He knows how to light his films. Yeah. I don't think, I, I think I, I, they look great, but the, I, I think Robert Ellswick's stuff is incredible. I mean, you can definitely see the difference, but, you know. Of course, able to direct something and be the director of photography is, is quite something, isn't it? You, you've got people who've directed and then edited. You've got people who've directed and written music. But that's two very different disciplines at two different times. But to be able to direct and operate the camera and light it, that is something that's quite quite unique. And for him to do it so well. I don't think he operates the camera. I'll oh, tell sorry. you who does. I'll tell you who does, though. Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. And he's been doing that for a long time. <laughs> I think he said Ocean's Eleven burnt him out. I think he said, I think I went too far on that one. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of time, Tom, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the time you've given us and, and all the wisdom that you've shared. So um, I'd love to ask you just three quick fire questions that I ask everyone who comes on, on the podcast. So um, who do you think of when you hear the word story? And why do you think of that person or those people? Tarkovsky. Good answer. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, just because I, I was so blown away with Stalker when I watched that for the first time, and it just mesmerised me. Still does. I haven't seen enough of his films. I've seen a lot, but not enough. But that film, you know, I need to watch that again. Actually, I've watched that a few times, but I love that film. I just find, and the reason why, when you say that, is when I watched that film, and I came late to the game watching it. I sort of stopped when it finished. I just thought, I've just seen a way of storytelling that I've never seen before. And that film was made before I was born <laughs> or in the year I was born. An in incredible filmmaker. Um, I don't think enough people have uh, had the maybe they have had the opportunity now that Amazon exists, but not enough people know who he is and have seen his works of art and um, Stalker is incredible. I, I think I sat staring at the, the screen until after the credits had finished um, on that one. And it's, but there's very few films I can say like that. That is an incredible film. And anyone who's not seen that film, I would recommend you uh, move that but right to the top of your list and, um, and watch it the next chance that you get. Definitely. I, I, there was another layer to that, me watching that film. I'd been drugged in a, in a, in a bar the night before, the day before. <laughs> so I was stuck in bed, like 
I was ill for three days. That was that was me watching that. So that was another layer to that hat's whole, whole murky world of wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you, the first time you saw it may not have been uh, fully cognizant or. Oh no, I was I was aware, but my my mood was low because I I'd, I'd been basically, um, yeah, very nasty person and uh, nasty person had uh, slipped something into my drink. That's not very nice. I'm not sure that I was just about to say I'm not sure that's the right mood to watch stalker. I'm not sure what the right mood to watch stalker is. No, yeah, it was a dark mood I was in, and that was a, yeah. That anyway, I've watched it since multiple times, and it's still incredible. <laughs> Still I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it this weekend, actually. Yeah, I think I'm going to watch it. It's a great. Uh, quick fire question number two: Can you recommend any good books or websites or blogs or podcasts about storytelling, or photography, directors of photography, anything like that? Uh, hold on, yeah, this one. <laughs> this looks like um. Oh no, sorry. I'm, this is an audio podcast, isn't it? But uh, is my camera strong for you? That one is great. Roger Corman, How I Made 100 Movies in Hollywood and Never Lost a Dime. Um, I found that in a second-hand bookshop in Romford and just reading it, it just, it's it's just, I, I read it, I've read it a couple of times now and if I'm feeling a bit like lost, just reading this guy's story and how, how he gets films off the ground is just quite inspiring. Uh, the anecdotes in there are insane. Who is inspired? Who? Who? Well, I don't know if necessarily inspired, but who? Who's come up working at, within the Roger Corman sort of film world is insane. And I just love how he's making one film and he's shooting another at the same time. Uh, so I'd say that book. I would say there's a great documentary called American Movie. And that is phenomenal. It's the story of, I can't remember his name. name. Uh, there's, there's a guy, and I think his, his best mate is called Mark, Mark Borchardt. I can't remember what his name is. Basically, all he's ever wanted to do is make a film. And he comes across quite comical. He seems a bit goofy. He knows his stuff, but nothing seems to be going right for him. It's a true story, by the way. It's a, it's a documentary. And... Um, his best mate fried his own brains on on acid. He tells that story, and it kind of shows. But he's a he's a great best friend, and they're making these films together. And his life is kind of spiraling out of control. They don't really touch upon it, but he, he's, he's he's split up from his partner. His kids are with him every other weekend. His kids have to sort of sit with him while he's doing late night shifts editing on Steinbeck's that he's got from a local film school. And he makes this film. He makes it against all odds. He's delivering newspapers in his car. He's got no money for anything, yet he's getting credit cards. He's got no money for his kids, and he's getting credit cards to make to make this film. This film, which sounds awful, <laughs> but he does it. And the passion behind it just comes off, and it rubs off on you. And I watch that quite often if I'm feeling a bit lost or, you know, need, like, inspiring to continue because it is it's a hard industry it's a yeah. hard industry you got to have a lot of passion a yeah. lot of passion it really is a hard industry so that, so that's american movie about mark borchard and mike shank that's the one mike is. shank that's it yeah yeah, yeah. I, I maybe mike shank is his mate that yeah fried his brains they became simpsons characters <laughs> wow. for an episode yeah yeah that's sort of how that's crazy inspir- how inspiring inspiring yeah. They were um, podcasts. I really like listening to Smartless. I think we discussed this on the shoot. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Will Arnett, and uh, and that's quite good to listen to. That's a, that's a fun one. Um, does it really? Does it tell you about storytelling? I guess it's nice to listen to. I, I love listening to the people tell and telling their stories. Um, yeah, I don't know if that is quite a contender. I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, the first two are that book and that film. Yeah, Smartless is great fun as well, isn't it? Um, yeah, really, really good podcast. And, and then finally, uh, Tom, uh, where can we find out more about you? Oh, uh, well, I've got a website. Um, I haven't actually updated it, so I should really do that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on Instagram. 
<laughs> and uh, and I get like told, how the hell can you not be on Instagram? Well, I feel like I'm so late to the game now. If I get on it, I'm going to do myself more damage than good. <laughs> you know, not understanding how it works and just posting terrible pictures. But also, my job is kind of wor- I'm constantly worrying. Are they going to like? the images that I'm doing, you know, the insecurity, I suppose, of, you know, you, you, sh- you shoot something and then you've got the editors, you've got the execs, you've got everyone looking at it and pulling it apart. And do I want that in my everyday life? You know, when I post a picture. <laughs> I don't think you've got time for Instagram, have you? No, I know. I, I don't, but I, I'm constantly told off that I'm not on Instagram. Um, I think your, your work being on telly all the time probably speaks for itself. But yeah, uh, well, Hopefully, but yeah, I've got a website. So your website is thomashinesdop.com. That's right, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, I should update that. I'll try and do that in the next couple of weeks and put some more new things on there. Brilliant. Well, you've got loads of stuff out at the moment. Not stop working, so I'm sure there's plenty for you to update. Brilliant. Well, Tom, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, spending the time with us, and uh, sharing all of that that great knowledge and wisdom that you've got and um, we look forward to keeping an eye on what you're shooting Um, I look forward to sharing more about Indignitas uh, with the listeners over the next uh, few months as we we can release more information about that and uh, once again Tom thanks very much thank you, thanks for having me and sorry if I've rambled at all (laughs) it's great, love it, thank you Tom Just a quick reminder that my book, Rule the World, Master the Power of Storytelling to Inspire, Influence and Succeed, is now available. You can get hold of your copy in all good bookshops, including Amazon and Kindle, Waterstones and WH Smith in the UK, Barnes and Noble in the US, and all good bookshops throughout the rest of the world. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Rule the World. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you, and see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.